Hi, everyone, and welcome to True Crime Tuesdays on the Ghoulfriend Hour. I'm your host, Rachel Faust. Let's get weird. Yes. And we are Nailed back. <laughs> yeah, we're back after a hiatus. We've after been, everyone we've decided to just downhill. get deathly ill. Yes. <laughs> Before we hopped on, me and Rachel were just literally swapping sickness stories about how we both had near-death experiences. Yeah, I was ready to like he brought home the migraine mess and I was like, just give them a hold of me. I was like, give them all to me at this point. I was like, my head hurts so bad. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's the season. It's definitely the season and I'm over like, it. This is the worst allergies or something because when we went to Virginia, it was like cold and rainy. And then we came back and it was like hot here. And like my allergies just couldn't keep up. Like when I get them, I get them hard. I'm like, my eyeballs were itchy. My face like hurt my head. And I was just like, mm, nope, this is not good. This is literally why I feel like climate change is a thing because I remember like when we were younger, as soon as like September hit, like it was still kind of warm, but it started getting chilly. And then by October, like it was chilly and nice. I'm like, now I'm like, why is it still 83 degrees? Like, like I was literally, I came home and I swapped clothes because I was so sweaty from walking dogs earlier. I was like, why oh. am I sweating? <laughs> I, was, I will say I had a light cardigan on and I thought I had like a dress that was like spaghetti strap and like just one of those really thin like light cardigans and I was mm-hmm. sweating and I was like, I just think like this is unnecessary at this point. Like just summer needs to let go and stop being a stage five clinger. Yes. I'm just like, I'm sorry. We're done with summer. It's Halloween now. There are bones. It's hanging from my porch. My witch is out there. It's like, it's happening Which now. looks awesome, by the way. The green light is fire. Oh my God. The only thing is that I've been scared. I was so scared the other night. I came home and like, it was windy. And so she has this like cape on. And so like on the back of the dress, like that's where you can kind of like stick your hand in and turn it on. So like I was adjusting the cape literally a bird flew out of it and hit like my shoulder and I was, oh like, <laughs> I was like, it scared me so bad. Oh it freak me out so every time like I try to fix it I'm like I shake it a little bit and only another time a bird <laughs> but I was just like please do not be making like a nest or something I was like no go but that I would have to change my pants I would be so <laughs> it was it was at night too it was at night I was like oh, let me, oh like, no it had been windy I was like let me you know and a bird no ma'am nope mm-hmm. if that yeah. happened to me I probably would have died of just a straight up like heart attack instant cardiac arrest yeah I was like nope I'm done here Um, so with your book club stuff, I was, um, I've been reading the Anne rule since we talked about, um, the local Delaware stuff. This book is so good. Like she's she's thick. She's 600 some pages. I'll say that looks like a little chunky, chunky book. It is written like so good I think I want to read because she's the famous one that was like friends with Ted Bundy and she does like all the like classic true crime stuff like I'm gonna have to read the one about Ted Bundy but this one's the one about Anne-Marie Fahey and Thomas Capano and like Delaware stuff it is written so well like she's painting the picture of like the people and the families and the relationships and the who is having an affair with who and like I feel like I know these people now like the way that she's writing about like it is I literally said the other day I was like I want to take a day off and like just read this book because it's so good that's when you know a book is good I literally got addicted to the Twilight series when I was like (laughs) in high school and it was so good that like I played hooky from school I like I did a whole I did a whole acting like I was like pretending to like dump soup in the toilet and like my grandma was like oh my gosh she's so sick and I was like yeah I'm staying like literally was just upstairs my room 
crushing out Twilight books. And I was like, that's how you know it's a good book when you can't put it down. I was like, I just want to finish this. Like, and like knowing that the poor girl gets like killed in the end, like she seems like she was such an amazing person. And like, she was just so cool. And like, you know, sometimes when you hear these stories, you're like, oh yeah, you know, that's really sad. Somebody like, you know, this happened, what, 50 minutes from us. And like, this is like painting the picture of her, like how amazing she was. And she loved her family and her nieces and nephews. And, you know, she was doing all these great things and just like, you know, they're really- But I like that though. I feel like that's like those, especially with true crime, like you should be glorifying- like the victim and not like the predator like you should you know what i'm saying and like talking about like their life and their legacy and so that's pretty yeah. cool so her name's Anne fahey so that what Anne marie was the girl in here this is Anne rule oh Anne rule i was like sorry i saw Anne something on the cover I was like this is it's so good okay i'm it gonna is. have to download that on my kindle so for our it listeners is. if you're interested if you want to give them the title and the author is and never let her go by ann roll i think it was like 12 dollars on amazon yeah so it's perfect and if you have a kindle it should be cheaper yeah. i think so it's like after we had talked about that and there was i saw about the book and i was like oh i'm gonna get that and it is it is really good like they even talk about like i don't know if we had talked about it but she was friends with his wife like they would go do things, they would go walk, they would go to dinner, they would go shopping. And all the while she's having like an affair with like her husband. Oh. So I was just like, oh man, because like she definitely talked about being like conflicted about it, that she's like, I'm like, you know, but I'm friends with you, but like, I'm That's hanging terrible though. I know, I'm just like- Breaks oh, every no. girl code. It's like, oh. It is, but she like talks about how like, conflicted she was about it like she was just so young and he was you know I think it's like 15 years older than her and she just kind of you know went with it she was trying to move up in this like political kind of like world and things like that that you know it was the time period I feel like there was a lot of I mean not that there's not a lot of affairs today but I feel like it was kind of the any 80s movie that you watch like even like into the 90s (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like I just uh, look at uh, Monica Lewinsky. That went down <laughs> faster than freaking. I'm not even going to finish that sentence. But it was, yeah, it was just bad. That was bad. Oh, my God. So are you um, giving the, the special news on why we're doing the case that we're going to talk about? Yeah, so I'm really excited. Um, So we decided to kind of switch things up this week and cover um, a different case. And if you guys are not familiar, um, we're going to talk about the railroad killer today. Um, The reason that we're talking about it is because we sometime either next week we're still kind of locking down a date um holly dunn pendleton the only survivor of the railroad killer is going to be on our true crime tuesday podcast um so we're going to talk with her a little bit about you know how that went you know what was that process like um and just kind of see what she has to say she's now a world-renowned um like a ted speaker um she does a lot of advocacy uh, for sexual assault victims. I mean, she's just really from such when we get into this and we really talk about what she went through. Um, it, I mean, it's heinous. It is yeah. downright ugly. And to get on the flip side of that and to really turn the coin 
and and make you know good out of such a dark situation um i have to give her kudos so um i knew instantly when me and my husband had watched um we saw her i think it was either i survived or it was a, it was a while ago it was like a couple years ago we saw it on tv and my husband was just kind of he did one of those husband things where you walk by the couch and he's like oh she's watching her true crime stuff and then he like walked by again and then walked by again he's like oh he's like what is this and like then he comes and gets a snack and sits down and so yeah so he did one of those i'm not interested and then he was glued to the tv um and it was this case so i kind of started to research because i was like this is like really terrible and i wanted to know more about the survivor um and so i came across her book soul survivor um and it's really really good it's really good on my list yeah i got a whole stack of books i'm like i I gotta gotta reread it so i think that's another one that i'm gonna get on the kindle because it's it's like i understand now what people say about these damn candles that you created to be read my sister is like that we have a whole like see i'm like an actual like i gotta hold it i love books i was like that too but i forget i forget to like bring it with me so like if i just throw the freaking it's like a little ipad and just throw it in my bag and keep it there i feel like i'm one that like i just keep reading the same sentence over and over on the kindle (laughs) and then i'm like i'm not even going anywhere here i'm like i i totally understand I totally understand. Yeah, I like it just for me, just because I'm so forgetful. Like I have so many books on my bookshelf. We have like books under our bed. Majority of it is like our my husband. He has so many freaking history books that he hasn't even touched yet. And I'm like, I can't deal with these books anymore. I'm like, I need a consolidated approach to this. So yeah, far, usually, so good. Usually between us and the family, we're like passing around the books. Like who has yeah. the book? And like- <laughs> Hey, I read this. Do you want to read this? Like <laughs> I treat books like cookies. Like people come into like over to my house when we talk about something. I'm like, oh, I have this book. I'm like, I'll give it to you before you leave. Yeah. And like they're like, no, you don't have to give me your book. I'm like, take it and read it. You'll thank me later. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so getting back to it. So um we're still working on finalizing a date. Um, but it's definitely gonna be in October for our spooky season um we're working on getting some other um kind of i survived victims i really think that um highlighting some of the the brave women in true crime and not you know giving too much attention to the attackers but more so just kind of highlighting how these people picked up the pieces and and moved forward after some of these really just downright disgusting crimes so we're going to get into it. I'm going to let Rachel kick this off. Um, and we are going to talk about the railroad killer, also known as Rafael Resendez Ramirez, because he has a hundred names. Yeah, he's got a lot. He's like, it's like Angel Mach- Macharino Resendez. It's, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot that comes up for him, yeah. but everybody knows him as the railroad killer. So, so he was pretty much a drifter with with a streak of violence. He was kind of bouncing between the United States and Mexico in the 1990s. Um, So his crimes definitely left a trail of devastation and, you know, just like 
pretty much his MO was like, he was lingering around like along railroads and it's not even like it was planned crimes or, you know, oh my gosh, this person, it was pretty much random. Like it really, really made me think of like Richard Ramirez and his like, oh, I just went in through an open window and there you were, like it was an opportunity. So he was um, going through the railroad system and pretty much if you were close to it and he could basically break into your house, um, he was going to do it. And those kind of people are like scary because like, obviously you don't know what's on the opposite side, like what kind of weapons somebody might have in their home. Like he was just breaking in and doing it. So most of his people were elderly people. They were you know, very gruesome and brutal crimes. Um, he broke into people's homes late at night um, and using the railroad tracks to his advantage. Once he was inside, he would bludgeon, stab, strangle his victims before he just pretty much vanished. Um, and I think it's important to mention too, He his crimes literally spanned, like I would say pretty like across the state. Like it was Texas, Illinois, Florida, yeah. Kentucky, California, Georgia, like- that's insane. So then there was like an, a manhunt for this guy that it was like, it's crossing state lines, you know, crossing, you know, United States to Mexico that, you know, the FBI, FBI had this manhunt of, you know, they just wanted to apprehend this guy. So one of his kind of main things as well, as we'll kind of, you know, talk about was that he had this all this stuff was like motivated by religious delusions of, you know, he believed he was an angel of death sent to sent from God to cleanse the world. And, you know, he could sense people's evil aura. So he thought he was the one to, you know, take care of people in that way. Unfortunately. Definitely delusional. Uh, that like that stuff is very crazy. Like, you know, when you hear about, oh gosh, like the devil made me do it. And it's just like, I, I don't think so. I just don't think you're. Need serious, like, yeah, serious intervention there. Yeah. So, um, he was born in Mexico. His father, you know, was reported that he was very abusive to his mother. You know, he kind of ran away from that and was kind of in a group home where, um, he was sexually abused by a known pedophile. You know, he endured this abuse at his uncle's home, you know, different places. He was kind of like bouncing around on the street. Um, so, you know, he crossed the border into Texas and then he was caught by border patrol. And so he gave this fake name of Rafael Resendez Ramirez. And so that was kind of you know he was entered in the fbi records under that alias so that's why he had so many kind of different names that he was just trying to you know back and forth to commit crimes and assault and robbery and auto thefts and you know obviously he didn't have a great start so like instead of turning that around you just kind of continued on that path of crime and things like that um so you know kind of minor things here and there stealing vehicles assault, burglary, you know, he was kind of in and out of, you know, with the law. Um, so he was arrested, served sentences and various, you know, crimes in the United States. And then he would cross back between the border of Mexico and the United States for kind of weeks on end. And so he kind of found that utilizing the railroad system was like a quick mode of transportation to him. It's not like he kept in one space. He just kind of kept moving. So like you had said, Michigan, Illinois, Missouri, Florida, Georgia, 
New Mexico, Texas, you know, all of his victims were found close to the railroad tracks, which like we had said, all these people were just random. And like, when we talk about Holly, like her and her boyfriend were just at a party with friends and they decided to walk down the railroad tracks here. So which I did um, want to kind of interject and just share this quickly. So for people um, that are watching, this was an actual FBI um, most wanted poster and they were offering. And I mean, this was. I want to say I, I'm, I'm trying to think of what the um, conversion rate would be, but I mean, sixty thousand dollars is a lot of money. That was a lot of money. So like they, this guy had a bounty on his head um, and. One of the fun facts that we learned um, most recently was that he actually knocked Osama bin Laden out of the number one spot for FBI's most wanted. That's bad. That's that's really bad. Like it was, I was honestly, I was really, really shocked, really shocked when I heard that. Cause I was like, he, he, you would think he was like the top guy. And then to see that this guy took his place, it, it was flabbergasting. And then listen to this. It says that because he was like a small guy that he often tried to find victims that were small too, that like couldn't overpower him. So no wonder it was so many like elderly people because he was a frail guy so that he was picking on, um, small little people. So, um, so let's, kind of talk about August 27th, 1997. So this is Christopher and Holly. Um, He was 21 or she was, yep, 21. She was 23. They were, you know, on a, at a party close to the campus of University of Kentucky in Lexington. Um, They were walking along the railroad tracks when he was hiding near the railroad tracks. So he approached the couple, asked for money. You know, they didn't say they had any money. He was like rummaging around. Um, You know, it said Christopher didn't find anything of value in his backpack. So he ordered them to like sit down. He then, this is just like, I, he then bludgeoned Chris with a heavy rock repeatedly over his head. So, you know, obviously he had died right there on the impact. Um, Once he was, he kind of knew that he was dead. He then turned to Holly and, you know, as badly as she was beaten and, you know, sexually assaulted and all of that stuff, like he beat her with the rock and he thought that she was, she was dead. And so then, um, she was unconscious and he, you know, thinking he was dead, he, she was dead. He, he left. So she regained consciousness. Like she's the only only survivor out of this, out of everyone we're going to talk about. Um, she was unconscious. And so he covered her bodies in twig and twigs and, you know, headed on to his next, his next victim. So she regained consciousness and went to a nearby house for help. Um, it says that she had a broken eye so- socket, jaw, multiple bruises, cuts, um, trauma. She survived the attack only to learn that Chris was dead. And I'll include, um, I'll also include pictures throughout uh, the time that um, Rachel is talking just to show you guys some pictures of the victims um, so you can see them. So um, she survived the attack and um, she had taken the time to 
study his face and um, was able to get a description to a sketch artist and the DNA collected from her. Um, and since, you know, this was guy, this guy was on the run, they didn't really know, like, in the Lexington area, like, who this guy was. So nobody, nobody, when they saw the sketch, recognized him. So um, the city of Lexington was just like, what is, like, what is this? They were just so, like, perplexed by, like, who was this guy um, that they just thought it was like a random attack. So in that time, after that, um, he had returned back to Mexico with his partner, girlfriend. Um, they had a baby and she thought that he was kind of bouncing back and forth because he was working on a farm in the United States, not knowing that he was doing all of these things. And it is just that is just always wild to me. Like it's the same thing. Um, another really great book is, oh gosh, I can't remember what the title is, but it is written by Ted Bundy's like girlfriend, the the longest one he had. I think her name was Liz. And she wrote it from her perspective where she was like, he would go off and like, I didn't know what he was doing. There was no, like no inkling of like, oh, he's out there like murdering people. He That's going to be them. so jarring to like find yes. out the truth and know that they were doing it right under your nose. Yes, that one is a really, really good book. So then um, moving on from that, he was still on, on the attack. So there was 87-year-old Leafy Mason. She was attacked in her home in Texas. Um, she was struck repeatedly by an old antique that she had. Um, he covered her up with a blanket and then rummaged through her house. Um, so I remember hearing this on, on a podcast when I had listened to, um, listened to this one that she had a sister who lived in like a facility. Um, and yep. Oh, was that her? That's her. She had a sister that lived in a facility. So the nurses were like, you know, Hey, she hasn't come. And they were like, she was here sharp every day, like two o'clock to be with her sister. And so they, you know, they didn't know what was going on. And so that's what kind of threw them off. So like, you know, she was somebody that had a routine. So every day at two o'clock, she went to go visit her sister in this facility. And so like the nurses knew something was wrong. Um, and so that's how they had, you know, the police had found her in her home, you know, murdered. And she was living in close proximity to a railroad. Um, somebody else who also lived close to a railroad, Dr. Claudia Benson, um, due to her work schedule, her, her family went out of town, but she stayed, which like, that has to be like another hard one of her family went away on vacation. She was like, because of her work schedule, she had to stay. And then she was, she was murdered. So that night he broke into her home, which was near railroad track, violently stabbing her, bludgeoning her. And this was one where he said that there were like some kind of statues in her house and he thought they were like cult related or satanic related. So that was one, you know, he had to kill her because she was in these, in these cult kind of things. Oh my gosh. So then May 2nd, 1990, um, there was a pastor of a church. So that was Norman and Karen they were found dead inside of their home. They were attacked with a sledgehammer that was 
from their own home. Their home was nearby the railroad tracks, um, went through their belongings, stole their truck. Um, and the truck was found later, like near the railroad track. Um, so they knew something was up because it was like a Sunday and they didn't show up to church. And so people were like, Hey, you know, let's go to their house, see what's going on. And that's when you killed both of them. Mm -hmm. And so she, he was the, he was the reverend of the church and she worked in the church or she was the church secretary. Um, So once those murders had happened and were connected in Texas, like everyone in Texas was like, what's going on here? Because that was two separate occasions where he was pretty much killing and then like on the move. Um, so it says that firearm stores were literally sold out of guns in Texas for people to arm themselves. Um, he was then, you know, wanted by the FBI on the wanted list. Um, here's that little fact about that. He was listed on the top 10 alongside Osama bin Laden. Um, and there is, there's the picture. Do you have the pictures on there of them side by side on the, on the list? Oh, of uh, Osama bin Laden and yeah, the pictures yeah. Are next to each other. Dude, it's I just I can't believe that. I mean, I can for the the damage that he did. But yeah, he uh, four fifty six, four fifty seven, and he ended up knocking him out of his spot because of wild how bad it was that just blows that blows my mind honestly when i learned that like i keep fixating on that because i'm like that is crazy to me because he is the most hated most hated man most sought after after. yeah after texas he was back into mexico and on june 4th 1990 josephine um convicta was found dead in her home um she was this was less than three miles from the pastor and his wife, their home. Um, so she was 73 years old, had been attacked with a pickaxe. Um, he then ransacked their house per usual. He took the time to eat from her kitchen and took some souvenirs. I like, I know we've talked about this before, but like, this is why true crime is so interesting because you think from like a a semi-normal perspective like that's not something that you would do like you would not kill somebody you probably like really wouldn't like hey let me get a fist fight unless like totally necessary like and it's like but you have these people that is it like is this something that they're born with is it something that they're created into like it makes you think about the psychology behind what makes a killer like he goes in he kills this person and just like nonchalantly like helps himself to food and just mm-hmm. like there's no knee-jerk reaction no fear no anxiety no conscience and I'm like that's that's what scares me is people without yes. that conscience yeah so they're starting to after Josephine was killed there was another one in Texas a 26 year old school teacher um he used the same pickaxe from the one before um, and her vehicle was stolen. It was found then by a bridge um, near the near leading into Mexico. And pink fingerprints at the crime scene linked to Resendez. So then they're starting to work backwards, and their crime scene from the crime scene 
they're picking up fingerprints from this guy. So they're starting to connect these in Texas. So then I just, I can't imagine, like, I can't imagine being like that and just being like, oh, hey, I'll do it again. So 10 days later, 79-year-old George left his home. He was getting the newspaper. Um, you know, our guy he was, was lingering around. little guy. Entered into his house. You know, he began to look for things to steal. And so then um, he used a phone cord to tie up the elderly man in a chair. He then shot him, killed him instantly. Um, he then proceeded to eat from the kitchen and look for items to take. Yikes. And so he was not aware that George's daughter was coming to check on her father. So then he attacked her as well. Um, and beat her so much that the gun he had had broke in half. So gosh. Um, he continued to beat her with objects he found, sexually assaulting her. Um, their bodies were found later by her husband. And so with the DNA evidence, they were starting to connect and making him the railway killer. So then it just, I just, it just keeps going on. Like, and poor this poor guy george like george I, that one killed me because like, he looks he just i mean they all kill me because it's so yeah. terrible but like to he see it in his, the like, army and he had face. a purple heart and he was you know he worked as a as a in the correctional center and you know they had kids and grandkids and you know these really great people and we have schmucks like this just like going around breaking into people's houses killing them and eating their food and for before, because we didn't show, so Carolyn Sue, who Rachel said um, was his daughter, this mm -hmm. is her picture, um, you know, and it's sad because, I mean, as a child caregiver, I mean, you're constantly, like, you're, you're thinking you're going to go over there, you're going to check on your parent, and then, like, this evil man, like, just takes both of your lives, like, that's just so terrible. That was just one of random you know, obviously he didn't wrong place, wrong time. Yes. Yeah. And you got to yeah. wonder too, like the fear, like the absolute fear that must've been in this community, especially because like, okay, think about Milford, for instance, like we have a, we literally have a freaking railroad that runs right through here. There's a railroad yeah. that runs right through Dover. There's a railroad that runs through freaking, I think there's one in Lincoln, isn't there? Like there's like, so it's like, you got to figure <laughs> There's a lot of railroads here in America that are running through a ton of like residential cities and like nice homey little places. These people everywhere must have been shook out of their mind about the fact that like, you know, they, they could be like the center of an attack. Mm -hmm. And so like even thinking about when you were talking about like our little little town or whatever, like in a county 50 minutes from us, there's all this they keep finding bodies places like yeah we gotta talk to been, you guys about that there has just been things happening up there and it's wild they they just found um a girl that was reported missing they did find her killer unfortunately it seems like it was a domestic incident um but the weird part was like me and Rachel just, it, I felt like we were like playing trading cards. Like we were just like shooting every oh, other like one. minute. We another were just one. finding yeah. one. like constant bodies. Like it was like DSP found body in a car. DSP found another body in a car. 
DSP found another body in a car. And it's like, they're always at like a Wawa or like, and it's like, when you start to see the same thing over and over, you're kind of like, oh, this is kind of becoming like a pattern. Like, do we have an issue here? Like, and we're just not reporting on it so that we don't create like mass hysteria. But like, it's also a little freaky that all of this is happening. Yeah. So besides like her being reported missing and, you know, being found and things like that, like, could those other ones be, you know, unfortunate like drug overdoses or something like that like people finding them in the cars maybe could be but it is Every it's just very like scary yikes. yeah and I'm you figured like, like that's not even like a confirmed serial killer and like that makes us worry and then it's like you have this community of people you know at this time and place who are like okay they're finding all these people like it's not even like just like strangled or just like brutally murdered mm-hmm. and you like you know it's the same thing like you said with like Richard Ramirez like you know lock your doors lock your windows like people were like terrified to go to bed at yeah. night because they were scared that he was going to break in or random it's not like yeah. oh he was only targeting these kind of people like yeah it, it was random like these people were close to the railroad and he was just there was trying no to rhyme or reason this. no so he was Wanted by the FBI in the U.S., bounty hunters in Mexico were searching for him. So he was like, you know, if he stays in Mexico, they're going to kill him. If they come to the United States, they're going to get him. So um, he was just, he was back in, in Mexico and his girlfriend was now full aware that he was a serial killer. And, you know, they were just trying to get him to like surrender so his sister was like in fear for his his safety so she's trying to get him to you know just surrender um like they're gonna get you anyway um so he had surrendered to mexican authorities the death penalty would have been you know eliminated as he was you know they were going to extradite him back to the united states because that's where all his his crimes were happening so on July 12th, 1990, he peacefully surrendered on the bridge connecting El Paso to Mexico in Texas. So they had taken him into custody. The family of Resendez claimed that they were lied to by authorities when Texas announced that they were going to seek the death penalty. So they were under the like assumption that they were not going to, but they were like, psych, yeah, you are, sorry. You know, they were going to seek the death penalty for Dr. Claudia Benton. Um, and I don't know why only like her. Yeah, that's. So it says he was charged with Claudia's murder in Texas, as well as three other murders, including the murder of the Mortars, the Fredericks in Southern Illinois. He went on trial for the murder of Claudia Benton. Um, and he didn't plead not guilty by reason of insanity. And I, I was going to say, like he tried one. to pull the insanity card, which like. Yeah. So he was, you know, claiming to be part angel and part demon. And it's very nefarious. He wanted to kill people because he sensed a strong aura of evil. So one of his prison cellmates said that, you know, he often used the prison library and he was re- researching like the insanity like plea because i'm Which just is like, like classical like classic case of uh just sociopath psychopath narcissism like to... yeah like manipulate 
that like classic manipulation tactic like playing like he's dumb oh i'm so crazy and it's like but you're blatantly in the library looking at ways that you can get out of this it's just disgusting the prosecution then pointed out that you know if these people were so evil he killed a doctor a pastor a teacher elderly people um and he was guilty of dr claudia benton's murder and was sentenced to death he then you know admitted to these murders and he claimed that his first murder was in 1996 and he, or 1986 and he was this was 1999 when they were talking to him when they were finally he was on the radar so he said that again he was traveling it was a woman he didn't know he shot her he left her abandoned in a house um and the second murder was her boyfriend and um he killed that guy because he thought he was practicing black magic So I'm just like, it just, and then there was another one in Texas, Michael White, and he bludgeoned that man with a brick because he believed that Michael to be homosexual. So again, he was killing people because he thought they were evil. He thought they were, you know, part of cults. They were gay, all of these things that he was the one that's going to cleanse the earth because he was, he was put on earth to do that. That's, He's, uh, I just feel so yucky. Like, and I mean, like they just kept going. It's like this person and this person and this person. And he just, there's, there's no reason that his family could be under the assumption of like, oh, sorry, our sweet poor boy is not going to get the death penalty. I just, and again, this goes back to, we've talked about this, but it goes back to, to the, um, being the parent of like, somebody who has committed a crime like this i can't even imagine like the mind f on that like the fact that you okay so like you look at peach i look at Maisie, and like we joke and like we you know we say things that moms normally say like i'll like you know whatever but (laughs) we love our children and like we would do anything for them we would give our life to them like we want we want the best for them and they could never imagine looking at that sweet face and thinking that they could be capable of something so evil and it's Mm -hmm. like as a parent you're looking at your grown child and it's like there's gotta be some like serious trauma associated with the fact that like you're sitting across from your child in a courtroom and they cold-bloodedly killed 15 or more people i mean these are people that he just admitted to yeah like where my mind went when I was reading all of this and when I initially saw Holly's story on the show we were watching was, you know, he confessed to all of these crimes, but how many homeless people, how many people do you see living, like like literally living on the railroad or mm-hmm. there's like homeless camps or, you know what I'm saying? How do we not know that he never took any of their lives or people maybe that just weren't found or were just good old jane doe like you know that was one of them that he said the remains of jane doe were found on this farm and he just he he didn't have a care in the world but like you know with him seeing his father abuse his mother and then him you know young out on the streets and bouncing from place to place and place and being abused like you can kind of see how how those things can kind of take place but you don't have to turn out like that. It's either, you know, you're going to do better or you're going to continue to be in that cycle of, you know, I saw all this bad, so I'm just going to continue and be bad. 
But I think that's also comes back to, and like, I like don't like, this isn't like a political statement or anything like that. So don't take it that, but like our mental health system is exponentially effed. Like there's, when somebody goes through trauma like that, like they need help. Mm-hmm. Like when they like, and there's so many kids that like, if you've ever seen, um, I took a child development class and it was, uh, there was a book we read called a child called it, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you've ever read that book, but then there was, um, oh Lord, it's going to escape me, but it's basically this little girl and her brother that went through the foster system. She was like severely abused. And like at the age of like six or seven like she was like a full-blown like trying to kill her foster parents threw her brother down a set of stairs like it was a whole thing and like she just was like stone cold there was no emotion no nothing and they said that a lot of that is due to the effect of the trauma and not having a maternal bond like that's why they say that bonding is so important like when you have a child whether it's the father or the mother but having some sort of ties to like a reliable loving caring source um because if you don't have that they don't know how to establish it and they're just a body Mm -hmm. so like that's that blows my mind because i'm like that i mean it definitely makes sense makes sense not justifying his actions but no but i mean i can see how like it's brought up in and you know those developmental parts of your brain and you know if he was really young when all this was happening like you know, but like, like like that girl that I was just talking about, the one that was like a total sociopath, like sh- they she got the help she needed. They intervened when like her foster parents were like, well, hey, we can't take care of her anymore. Like she literally is going to kill us. She tried to stab us in our sleep. And like they were like, OK, this is a the problem. They intervened. She's like a normal person now. Like she lives a normal life. She's like talks and like does like I, she was doing like TED talks and like she's like a good person. Like totally reformed and so it's crazy because like that's why I just don't think that there's an excuse for such like terrible crimes like this because it's like you can see how a child like yes they can be a product of their environment okay I'm gonna call you out on your dog business what do you know about dogs behaviorally right they're not too far off from humans. They're probably nope. more loving and better than humans. I will say that. Structure, but... boundaries, rules. They're just like uh-huh. kids. If you just let them wreak havoc, they're going to wreak havoc. If you put those things in place, then yeah. your dog's going to be <laughs> a lot better than just free-for-alling. <laughs> like if you have a dog that's in a home that's abused and, mm-hmm. you know, taught to do like bad things, they're probably going to be reactive. They're going to be aggressive. They're not mm-hmm. going to have that like loving endearing Mm -hmm. side to them but if you take that dog and you work with it and you help it recover and do the right things to put the right things in place and give it like you said that structure the boundaries you teach it to live a better life a more controlled life and be a better dog so like I hate to be like apples and oranges but it's not too far off like I think any anybody or anything can really be reformed but it's like are you going to give into it or are you going to like, are you going to cave under the pressure or are you going to make something? Yeah. So not to get like super inspirational. I feel like I just had a freaking like, <laughs> you like do a, I don't even know who to compare that to. I'm like Rachel Hollis moment. <laughs> but like, yeah. So I just, I just feel like 
the more that we talk about these true crime cases, it's hard to have sympathy and empathy for some of these people because it's like you could have you could have woken up any day and chosen a different path and you chose like murder. I just can't imagine having like like the conscious of just like like god forbid you do something wrong and I'd be like oh my god like I can't even like I can't even function like I it stole something from the store like I wouldn't be able to like I couldn't function imagine breaking into somebody's house and I don't want that on my conscience like, like, no, like, I just, I can't imagine not having a healthy mindset and conscious of those things of like, you know, he was like, what, let me make a meal, like in this person's kitchen, I just killed them. But like, let me, you know, BTK, that, the same that thing, blows my mind. Little, like, I'm going to take a glass and like drink out of this glass and leave it here. And it's just like, what a loser. I'm like, that was your thing. Like, oh, I'm going to leave the glass. Maybe they'll catch me. Like, I just, I, yeah, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Like it's, mm. but that's, there's some, like I said, it all comes back to that mental health. Cause there's some people that like, that's what they get off on. Like, they're like, mm. they like to do these absolutely evil things and they, some of them want to be caught. Like they just, they don't care. Like they're mm. like, they do what they got to do. They remain under the radar for as long as they can. And they're like, you know what? I want to get caught. And yeah. they do something just very blatant. And so yeah, I mean, this guy, he's got he's got a long history. But one of the things um, that I thought was interesting um, was in Texas, Dr. Benton's husband, George, witnessed uh, Resendez's execution. Like he purposely was like, I want to I want to watch him. Oh, die. yeah. I... And I don't blame him. I don't blame he him. Even, and so um, he refused a, bl- a last meal. He like he even wanted to be like, I don't want to be in prison. Like, just like execute me. Which that's frustrating. I feel like if they say, Hey, like, I don't want the the death penalty. I would be like, we're going to do the opposite. <laughs> we're going to do the opposite. <laughs> You're getting the opposite. Cause that's just how petty I am. Like I, I tell Mal all the time, like I'd be a terrible like judge because like, I would hear somebody's like cries for like, they'd be like, please like don't don't sentence me to death and i'd be like death to the chair that's just like like, oh oh, we i'm not sure if you watch it yet it's called the jinx and it's on um hbo max no it is wild you have to watch it okay The the jinx the jinx yep the end the end twist like something something happens in the last 30 seconds and you're like what <laughs> yes I have to so like what is it is it like is it like a thriller it's a it's a true crime documentary I think there's six episodes oh. and he um he was just like this weird like kind of crooked con artist kind of guy um and his wife went missing and he was like you know mm, don't got anything to do with it da, 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 da. and then his friend gets murdered and like all this stuff so they're worried about like trying to find his first wife um and it's it's very very twisty and i'm gonna have to watch that now because me and matt have been catching up on supernatural the end is shocking like these filmmakers, like the the people making the documentary catch him on something. And then like all of a sudden, like, cause he's like an old, old man now. So they're like trying to catch him on some things and they found some 
some evidence of some things and I, I don't want to give it away so you'll have to watch it because it was just like what? I'm gonna watch it I'm gonna watch it because you, you got me sold now I'm like that's I like plot twists I like being yes. like flabbergasted like live in real life this twist just happened and I was just like ah. like is this real yes yes so I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it but I definitely so this this uh quote from Ben's husband gave me like the chilies like I was like oh I got Heber jeebs um <laughs> it said what was um oh no that's not what it said sorry that's not what it said I have a reading comprehension issue clearly <laughs> um okay it says in Texas, Benton's husband, George, witnessed Resendez's execution to make the statement that people have to understand what evil really is. What was executed today may have looked like a man, walked and talked like a man, but what was contained inside that skin was not a human being, he said. This is not human behavior, but something I can only say is evil contained in human form. A creature without a soul, no conscience, no sense of remorse, no regard for the sanctity of human life. Mm. that's just so and that probably just like didn't even have any any effect on him no but i will say you know it's crazy um if i can find the video i don't know if i sent it to you but there was this one uh murderer who speak the the reason i think of this because speaking of people's statements like in court or just statements in general there were people basically mother effing this guy um he he's famous and i don't know why i can't think of his name um he did some really awful stuff but he basically i think he killed and like ate this guy's son and the guy was like i'm a christian and like i know what i really want to say right now i'd be like sir that's not very christian of you (laughs) it fits in so many circumstances it does um but yeah he's like basically he said you know like i'm a christian and he's like what god wants me to do what the bible teaches you to do to forgive and show mercy and grace he's like you are making that next to impossible right now he's like but i'm not going to stand up here and tell you that i hate you i'm not going to tell you that i wish you to die like he said all these things and he's like i forgive you and he's like i forgive you from for taking my child i've and i was like I started getting emotional. And then this guy, this murderer who showed no remorse throughout this entire thing, he started crying. And so it's like, it's shit like that just like makes you go like, you're like, is somebody in there? Yeah. Like nothing, nothing anyone said to him affected him. And they were like, you know, just basically like, you have to wonder if like when they're hearing these statements from these family members and stuff, does it ever like, does it? does it ever penetrate yeah like at some point like it's like i can't imagine hearing that and not like yeah like if somebody looks at me sideways i cry so like i couldn't imagine being on the stand and somebody being like i hope you get thrown in a wood chipper and turned into hamburger meat i would be like like i would cry i'd be like please just take me out i don't i don't need to hear anymore and this guy just doesn't care so his last words before his execution were, I want to ask if it's in your heart to forgive me and ask the Lord to forgive me for allowing the devil to deceive me. I thank God for having patience in me. I don't deserve to have caused you pain. You do not deserve this. I deserve what I'm getting. And then he was 
executed by lethal injection and pronounced dead at 8.05 p.m. on June 17th in Texas. Um, it said that a lot of the families of the victims attended the execution. Um, and it says that because I think I didn't say this, that Border Patrol was kind of sketchy on him on one occasion of him going back. But because they just kind of like let him go back into Mexico when these things were happening, um, the family of George and Carol and Fred Frederick sued the United States government for failure to detain him at the border just weeks before um, he murdered the father and daughter. And so then Claudia Benson's husband sued him prior to the execution execution in order to stop him from profiting from his crimes. Because he was selling, listen to this, he was selling chunks of his hair, letters, and other items to, to um, where to go? Like obsessive fans. I don't understand that. Okay, so I'm going to just tell you all right now, is- pet peeve. I don't, like, okay, here's one thing. I'm not going to shun people who maybe write to these people in a, like but the heck's they want to know like more of like a psychology standpoint like because yeah. i could i would do that like i would be like what is your problem like i would want to know like why did you do this like just from like a psychology more like clinical standpoint but when you have these people like we remember we talked about this with the chris watts thing was that you Ugh. we were like talking about man. like how these girls like fawn over him and like we're like he, he's got all these like pen pal biddies and i'm like i don't like I what part of like this man killed 15 people right and he's in prison running a business selling his hair and letters and little little things like like he's an entrepreneur yes so 49 million dollars of a judgment was won by um Dr. Claudia Benton's husband to put a stop to any profiting from um him him doing this well good good because I mean, I mean, if you're buying a chunk of this dude's hair, uh, shun. I don't even mind. shun. You are shunned. How do you even? How do you even do this from prison? Like you sent out a flyer, like, "Hey, by the way, brother, do some crazy stuff in prison." When I saw somebody make laffy taffy, I listen. I will be the first to admit, I fell. I fell way down. So those people on TikTok are alive. They're going live on TikTok from prison. He's like, like, he's bussing. And he's like making like jail burritos. And I'm like, I didn't even know that you could, where did you get boiling water from? I thought that that's like a danger. Like somehow like he just like pulls out an electric kettle and he's like making like just crazy stuff. I'm like, I I would never be that innovative. I would probably starve to death in jail because I would never get that creative. But like they're in there like boiling water and Doritos and they're like rolling this shit out on like a jail bed and they're using like their little commissary cards to like chop pieces of like jail pizza up and I'm like I hate you guys like I just want I just hate you like why couldn't you use your smarts when you were out exactly your smarts now like where was that common sense like yesterday sir ma'am I don't understand so like okay. so you're gonna put your skills to making fucking jail laffy taffy. I'm done. It makes honestly you can tell that I get really pissed about this because I'm like it makes me like if it's a if it's a stupid crime, like it's nothing like serious and you're making jail laffy taffy, I commend you because I enjoy your videos. If you're a serial killer and you're selling chunks of your hair 
<laughs> and you're yeah. Shun. Shun. That you is. suck. I and just I, I, I said what I said. I don't know who's who's buying them. How who who is buying that? What are you doing? The same that? people that are probably buying farts in a mason jar and like people's used trash that are like and they're the ones you got to look out for. You want to talk about the, the next serial killer? Yeah. Well, you got a chunk of this man's hair. Gross. He And he doesn't even look clean. Mm-mm. I don't mean to be mean like that, but I'm like, the dude's been running from the law on the railroads. Like, you don't know what's in that hair. What if yeah. there's like lice? <laughs> so now you have serial killer lice, not regular lice, but serial killer lice. That's yeah. a whole other genre of lice that you're messing with, okay? I can't. I'm done. So a little excerpt down here um, from this website about Holly. It says, Holly Dunn is the sole survivor of the railway killer, wrote a book about her experience entitled Soul Survivor. She co-founded Holly's House, a child and adult advocacy center for victims of intimate crimes. She tells her story to promote safety and awareness um, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel of a dark story. Um, and she turned her horrific traumatic experience into a story of survival and success. And I need, I, I gotta read that one. It's a killer book. I, I mean, it's, it's really like awesome. I'm like really having to think of like some questions to ask because like, I feel like in these types of things, like, you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to be, like, that person, but, like, you know. Yeah, that's why, like, I, I I even put, like, in my email when I reached out, I was, like, you know, I'm just approaching you gently with this because I understand, like. You probably just have those people that, like, just ber- tell us all about it. It's just, like, no, like, don't tell us all about, like, you know, moving forward. Like, we all understand what happened, but, like, not to bring those things back up it's yeah so that's I'm curious you know because I know that this is something that she talks about often in like TED talks and like that this is Holly um here on the cover of the book so if you're looking for it this is what it looks like you can get it pretty much on any major um bookseller so Barnes and Nobles Amazon you name it um but Holly's house and like what she's done has just been absolutely amazing and she you know, just thinking about how to kind of approach it and like also watching some of the um, like on YouTube, some of the TED talks and seeing what how she talks about things and being kind of an inspiration to, I think, other victims of crime, you know, not only sexual assault, but like maybe other survivors who have survived, you know, horrible crimes like this or who have watched, you know, even children. I think it's helpful for children because how many children around the world witness, you know, a parent or a loved one get murdered or shot or robbed and killed at gunpoint? Like, you know, so there, she's just helping so many different genres of people by doing what she's doing. And clearly that was, you know, God's plan for her um, surviving such a horrific ordeal and being able to turn that pain into passion. So kudos to you, Holly. Adrenaline, like, um, like survival skills, like just kicking in of like, seriously nobody knows what they're going to do in a situation you know oh yeah i'll fight back and i'll do this and I'll, you don't know what's going to happen in a situation like that bro we we already learned that i did not handle the target masturbator situation very well 
I thought for sure I was going to judo kick this man in his chest. And I was like, zibbity zubop. And I just <laughs> rolled into the next fitting room and I, I hid. Oh my God, I'm right. not ashamed to say that. He was slanging. He was slanging some ween. And I was not about to be. I was. Yeah. I was not about to be. Uh, yeah. Again. I wasn't in any like immediate danger. Just so everybody knows that. I wasn't like. I feel like I would have screamed. I I don't know. Like. But that's the know. thing. You think. When you think you about know. it. Like you're you're more bold in your mind. Yeah. And then in the moment you're so. You know what it is? It's the shock factor. So like all mm-hmm. jokes aside. And I'm sorry if I offend people with my jokes. I'm just very morbid. Um, <laughs> I have to laugh. Otherwise you'll cry. <laughs> it's called trauma. So anyways, um, but yeah, like you like have this idea of like how things will go. And then it's like when it's happening, your body goes into like a, like a, just a shock mode. You're like, it's almost like, oh my gosh, I should have said this, like in a thing, like, you're like, oh, I should have said this. Always happens in the shower. Like, oh, I should have ripped that girl a new one. Exactly. I should have freaking. Yeah. I remember one day I was like talking to Matt and I was like, let me tell you something. I was like, if I was in my right mind, I would just grabbed her and threw her over the counter and Matt was like Morgan he's like yeah, let's not that. he's like let's not bring up and he's like you but you know what's so weird it's like I get rowdy like there's there's triggers so it's like <laughs> certain if you really catch me off guard if you really throw me for a loop I don't really know how I'll act but there's been there's been some times where Matt he saw me fly off the frying pan handle and he was like oh my gosh like I didn't know that was in there I almost fought some girl in like the Chick-fil-A parking lot because she almost slammed into my car. But she she started it. She started it. And I was like, well, I'm not about to be like. There was a time that I mouthed off with somebody and in the Target parking lot. Um, me and my mom went in and we parked next we parked near a car and it was like July, August. It was hot. There's a dog in the car. And I'm like, why are these stupid idiots like bringing your dog? Like, why is your dog in the car? And so these people, of course, were walking like right ahead of us. So the man turns around and is like, we're just going in for a minute. And so my mom's like, all right, go ahead and go. I'm going to start your timer. And so she literally pulls up a timer on her phone. And she like. This is why she's my favorite person. <laughs> all these people in is like, all right, you guys have like 30 seconds now. I'm just like, oh my God. Good for her though. That's like a number one. That's straight to hell. That's like a, a one-way I, I ticket just, straight to hell I if you leave understand. your dog in the car. How are you leaving your dog in the car? Or ones that are like, I accidentally left the kid in the car. That scares no. me. You're dumb. <laughs> That's scary. Well, what scares me too is that like my car, like it's a 2021, so it's relatively new they now have like an alert so like when it's yep. hot out like when your temperature gauge is above like a certain level and like there's any kind of weight on the seats it's like yep. check your back it's like make sure to check your back seat and i'm like that's really scary or the ones that like you see the videos and they like go inside and it's like oh they were in the house for five hours and then they realized the kid wasn't there i'd realize within two whole seconds if a child wasn't in here because i I got to have a snack. I got to have this. I need this. I need this. I need this. I need this. Like it's, (laughs) and it's almost like a, it's an, it's like an animal instinct at this point. Like, I feel like as a mom, if there's, if it goes beyond 30 seconds of like no noise, you're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Literally. (laughs) 
because you know you're about to come out to some mess i don't like quiet quiet scares me it's a it's a it's a red alert oh she used to um play this little game where she would hide and then we'd be like peach where are you and it was nothing and there was one oh god this is this is my my biggest nightmare i've ever had with her so we were in the backyard and she was she was like three, like maybe like a fresh three at this point. I'm in the backyard. She's playing on the trampoline. I was like, you know, pulling weeds, lingering around, like, you know, whatever. So I was talking to my mom on the phone and I turn around and she's not on the trampoline. And so like all of a sudden my heart like drops to my butt and I'm like, Peach, where are you? And I thought maybe she was like on her swing set or something or whatever. And I'm panicking at this point because she's not outside. I'm panicking. Like I've never felt this fear my whole life. What she had done was she came, well, this was like starting our hide and seek phase. She came in the house through the sunroom where we came out. She came inside, was in her room. And so I'm screaming her name and I can't find her. I come inside and she's in her room. She's like, hey, I'm just in my room playing. And I'm like, and you're just like, oh, I just want to like, I'm going to throw <laughs> up right now. And I said, please do not hide from me. So please don't come in by yourself. Please, oh. like, that's when I go into like, like screamer mode. Like, I'm like, are you freaking nuts? I'm like, why would you do that? Like, it's not like she understands, but just yeah. fear. Or Dude, she that's would scary. She would be hiding places and we're like, okay, now we need to really know where you are. And she's like, I'm here. And I'm like, okay. But that was the scariest time ever was when she decided she was, you know, that, I'm done. I'm going to go ahead and go in the house. <laughs> I, was just like, I know exactly what you're talking about though. Cause my godson did that to us at his birthday. He like we were at the firehouse. That's where we had his birthday party. And so like it's pretty big. But the thing is, it's on a main road. So like we were, you know, we had so much family there. Like there was like I want to say there was easily like 80 of us. Like there was a lot of people. So, you know, they're coming around. They want to hold the birthday boy. So like he I don't know if like my uncle gave him to like our friend Kira or whatever, but like she went to take him to see the fire trucks. So my aunt thought I had him. And I thought my uncle had him and we, we didn't see like my uncle. And I don't, I don't remember like how, what transpired, but like, we're looking for him. We're calling him. He's not answering. And like both the door, the back door was open. And then the front of the firehouse was open. And when my aunt went into panic mode, then all of a sudden my heart started like, and I was like, it's a main road. Like, and you go into like blackout mode. You're like, like so panicked. Like that feeling, that feeling. Like my heart dropped to my butt and she's like just hanging out in here. She's like, hey, she's playing in my room. And I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> That's the worst. Kids, I swear they age us. They age us like 40 I, years. That and the 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 spider scary night. That Those are the two that I will just, that's it. The scratching eyes throw me in a blender and turn it on because there's no way like I even remember like where I was when I was like driving when she said that and I was just like can't go home I'm like <laughs> go in there never go back we just have to we have to burn the whole house down now. I'm like cursed in spiders now it's people scratch our eyes out on pictures I'm like and sometimes, like, if she if she hears us, like, talking about that, she's like, it's just joking. It's just a joke. I was like, that was not a 3 a.m. <laughs> joke there, friend. Like, 
Can we keep the jokes for the daylight? Or <laughs> <laughs> there are people scratching our eyes home. Dude, that, that was like, when you hit me with that, that made my stomach drop into my butthole because I was like, I don't know. Maisie started doing that thing where she's like, she's like, who is that? And I'm just like, well, <laughs> like, well, <laughs> okay. Well, I was like, you and Peach can hang out together. You can spirit watch because I don't, I don't think my heart can handle much more of this toddlerhood. I think I need a break. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So motherhood is fun. It's ghetto as hell. So if you're thinking about having children, listen to these stories and think if, if I can weather that, have children. If you don't think that you can wake up at three o'clock in the morning and your child tells you that you, you, somebody's scratching your eyes out and oh um Maisie handed me a shit covered vacuum the other day so I'm gonna add that to the list she said oh "Oh, mommy she's like this is dirty and I was like oh okay so here just give it to me I'll I'll wipe it off and she's like it's really stinky I'm like what what why is it stinky why is it stinky Maisie and like yeah there was a it was quite the explosion in my living room (laughs) And I have carpets. It was, it was a bad day. It was a bad day. She brand new little vacuum. We got her new microwave. There was just, it's one of those gas station situations where like, you don't understand gravity for a second. You're like, I don't understand how this person shit up the wall and up the ceiling. Yeah. And it's even crazier. You really start to question physics and science when it comes out of an almost three-year-old. I haven't slept very well in how many or four years yeah yeah so so just hear this heed our warning so this is this is the fun part of the ghoul friend hour is we have true crime tuesdays but then sometimes we we veer off into ghoul talk that's what i like to call this yeah life crime yeah this is real life crime crime. because it's an absolute crime when your children scare the shit out of you and then they shut up a wall let me tell you, I went on a bachelorette trip, which I'm too old for all of that stuff. And I, we slept in a, in a hotel room that it was like a big suite. So there were two bedrooms and our bedroom did not have any windows. So me and my sister are cuddled up in this bed. I slept until like 10 AM in the morning. I was like, oh I don't my gosh. remember the last time I slept till 10 AM. I like woke up and I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, like the sleep. You thought you missed the school bus and it was the like. The soundest sleep I think I've ever had in my whole life. I was oh, like, first that all, I can't nice. keep up with the drinking. I can't, I really can't. I'm going to die. <laughs> and I'm like, two, I've never slept like this in my whole life before. I was like, it's been forever. Cause the and other hotel night, beds are the best too. The other night, this one, she, she hit her leg. And so I gave her a magic wet washcloth that was going to heal her. The three a.m. she comes in the room absolutely sobbing because the washcloth isn't wet and it's not on my foot. And I'm like, you would have thought she was like broken from head to toe, like literally sobbing. We could not console her. Oh my her. gosh! And he's like, "Why did you give her that?" And I was like, "I just it was better than like here have band aid. It was like here have this wet washcloth. <laughs> it's the quick fix. It's just the initial, you know, yeah." God bless. Yeah, 3 a.m. She's like, <laughs> like <laughs> she used to get really bad, like night terrors too. There was one I remember it was it was either like fall or winter, but like she would like stare at us and be crying. And we're like, 
wake up, wake up. And she's like, I need you. And we're like, we're right here. Look at us. We're like, look at us. There was one time he took her right out to the yard. It was so cold outside. Took her out to the yard and like the cold air like woke her up. And then she was like, what are we doing out here? Yeah. It sounds like, I wonder, I think that's what Maisie's going through. Cause knock she's on, been having this battle like. Yes. Knock on wood. That hasn't happened in a long time. It was usually if she was like overtired or she didn't take a nap or, you know, things like that. That was a we were getting these random night terrors of like, you couldn't wake her up. And she's like staring at you, calling you. And I'm like, right. <laughs> that literally, so that must be what Maisie's going through. Cause Maisie like has been doing this thing and it's been on and off, but like we have not slept well because she like wakes up and is mm-hmm. like crying and crying and crying. And she's like, just babbling stuff. Like I need a Baba. I need this. I need... And we're like, Maisie, Maisie, Maisie. And like, she's not. And then like, I have to turn all the lights on. And then yep. like, for some reason that like, does the yep. trick so that's what it sounds like all right so sounds about learned, right. learned something new so now my child's having night terrors yeah she legit like i remember taking we, i was like where are you going he's like i'm gonna take her outside and took her outside and she just like came to life and i was like okay we're gonna put you back to bed now yeah nobody just nobody tells you motherhood is this fun scary stuff Something just like escaped my throat and I was like, that was that. I hope my microphone didn't pick that up. We're gonna have to edit that out. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, well on that note, we did it. We yeah. Did it again. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up and we will hopefully be bringing um the true life survivor, Holly Dunn Pendleton, um, on to talk a little bit more about her experience and her journey to overcoming and healing from um, her horrific ordeal. So stay tuned for that. Um, definitely follow us on uh, the Ghoul Friend Hour Instagram. Follow Rachel. Um, Rachel, if you want to give your Instagram handle. Yeah, I never know my handle. That's why I was um, like. Dogtrainer.RachelFaust. Okay. So you can follow us both. I almost need to like put like oh is that alexa yeah i need to almost put like cool friend hour in my like pot in my bio you need something yeah so you like attached but this way like you guys can follow her because we're always posting like little something updates yeah so (laughs) but yeah so follow us um stay tuned for updates on that we'll let you guys know definitely when we're gonna have her on um and thanks for just hanging with us again and hopefully we'll be more on track you know, knock on wood, no more sicknesses. Nope. Um, it's done. It's spooky season and I have spooky Delaware ghosts to talk about. So yes. So we got, a, <laughs> we got a lot of fun in store for you in October because this is our national holiday month and everything is going to be amazing. So until next time, let's, let's get, get weird. weird. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>